Hey, welcome to the Houghton Baptist Podcast. Today, guest speaker Don Curry will ask the question, Why the Flood? He'll be hanging out in the book of Genesis, and we'll get an answer to that question later on in the podcast. Stay tuned. Afterwards, check out our website, HoughtonBaptist.org is the place. A lot of information there about the church and things going on in the church. And if you're looking for a church or you would just like to come visit us, boy, we'd love to have you. We're a growing contemporary Christ-centered church, and we're there to praise God. Come as you are. We do. Enjoy the podcast and have a great day. Uh, I, I was talking to Dave about doing this message, and I, I expressed that I'm, I'm fearful this is, might come off a little gloomy. So he said, well, remember to smile. And if you know me, that's, that's not really my, my strong suit. I don't do that well. And, and so um, I keep, I'm keeping this here to, as a constant reminder. And you have my permission to wave one of these during the sermon. I will thank you, and uh, that would be helpful. Okay, Um, I'm talking this morning uh, about a big question that I've wrestled with for a long time. Why the flood? Uh, We're going to be in Genesis chapters 6 through 9. That's the flood account where um, God flooded the entire world and Noah and his family were saved by the uh, ark. I previously spoke on the ark uh, as a picture of Christ, and that's a marvelous study. I highly encourage you to read it. The ways in which the ark instructs us about Christ are endless. It's a, it's a long list. Uh, but this, this story has so many layers and, and so many mysteries that you've, you've got to really narrow your scope to fit into uh, any one single message. So I wanted to talk about something I've kind of made some progress on recently, and that was not looking at, you know, this particular aspect of, you know, Christ as a picture in the ark or Noah as a picture of the New Covenant Christian, but the big, big view of the, of the flood and I, I think I'm getting somewhere, not that I have arrived, but um, I, I'm getting somewhere. Anyway, we tend to look at this story as not connected with the rest of the Bible. It's something we learned in Sunday school, and uh, you know, you go, yeah, yeah, I've been there, done that in vacation Bible school, and we don't really try to connect it with the rest of the Bible, but be assured that it does. Um, The question is how. When you stand way, way, way back and look at the story as a whole, how does it connect? And the bigger question for me, why? Why? Um, The most catastrophic event in human history, God must have had a good reason 
what was God's purpose with the flood? What did he expect to accomplish? And more to the point, what did he accomplish? Well, as to the why, the Sunday school answer is because the world had gotten so wicked. Well, that's true enough, but the answer has got to be bigger than that. Um, Let's pause this for a minute and read just the beginning, the introductory scripture. Uh, Turn, if you would, to Genesis chapter 6. And I'm going to read just 5 through 7. I would love to read the whole account, but for lack of time, do read it when you get home. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. The Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals, to creeping things, and to birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. And then you'll jump on down to verse 17. He says, Behold, I am bringing the flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which, the breath of, in which is the breath of life from under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall perish. Um, did God expect the flood to wipe out sin? Well, if so, then he failed miserably because in no time man was right back to where he was before the flood and worse in, in terms of sin. Well, maybe the idea was just to sort of keep sin in check. You know, like you spray weeds in your garden and you don't really expect the spray to kill the weeds once and for all, but just to sort of keep them in check. Is that what God was doing with sin? Well, if that's so, then we should have seen a series of worldwide floods since then because man just continued to sin more and more. Uh, In fact, we'd be way overdue for a flood right now. Genesis 6.12 says, God looked on the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. Was God surprised? Oh, look, they're sinning down there. I better get down there and do something. But, of course, God is never surprised, and God's plans never fail. Okay, God, then what were you doing with this flood thing? If it wasn't to put an end to sin, if it wasn't primarily to keep sin in check, then what? Second only to the cross, the flood is the single most pivotal event in human history, so God must have had a very, very good reason for sending the flood. And we need to understand what that reason was. Okay, hold that thought, and let's do a little donkey work and give some background. Um, Genesis is a book of foundations. The foundation is the foundation of the Bible. The whole Bible is built upon it. And the foundation of your life is very important. Uh, You ever wondered why the enemy so loves to hammer Genesis, uh, especially creation? You know, why does secular education push evolution as fact, which it's not, 
and ridicule the idea of biblical creationism in six literal days, which it was. The answer to that is, if I can disprove the first chapter of your Bible, uh, I've uh, undermined the credibility of the rest of the book. That's why you see the issue of creation so hammered, it's the first two chapters of the Bible. Um, you know, and the flood as literal history, and you actually believe that? Yes, I most certainly do. It is literal history. It was not a regional flood. It was a worldwide flood. Uh, the Bible account is true. The, uh, it, that account is real history. There was a real Noah. There was a real ark. There was a real flood. It really covered the whole earth, and everyone that wasn't on the ark really drowned. Uh, it's important to see the emphasis that God puts on this story in Genesis. If you take the biblical age of the earth as about 6,000 years, uh, not millions, as evolutionary-based thought would tell us, then Genesis covers about the first 2,000 years of human history from Adam to uh, Abraham. And that's a lot of time, but God says there's only a few very basic things from that whole time period that you need as a solid foundation for your faith. And so Genesis has two basic parts. The first 11 chapters are foundational truths illustrated by Four, found, uh, four foundational events. And then the rest of the book, chapters 12 to 50, is on foundational characters. And in the first 11 chapters, it's simple. God just says, I want you to see the creation because you need to know who your creator is, who made the world. I want you to see the fall into sin. You need to see the predicament that sin got man into. I want you to see the flood because you need to know how serious sin is, but you need to know how much greater grace is. And I want you to see the Tower of Babel and the scattering of nations because you need to know how not to go about trying to save yourself. And the rest of the book, chapters 12 to 50, is on foundational characters, that is, Abraham and his family, and what we learn there is how to live the life of faith. And that's the whole book of Genesis. So together they form a complete foundation of truth, the creation, the fall, the flood, the Tower of Babel, and Abraham and his family. And they make up what God says is a found, solid foundation, only five basic lessons in 2,000 years and the flood is one of those five lessons. So if you've got a foundation in your house and it's only made up of five big blocks, every one of them's worth studying. Well, this is the third one. Um, you see the emphasis God puts on this, and I say this because we're talking about foundational things, which, as any foundation does, affects all that's built upon it. Um, and it's that third truth that we're going to talk about this morning, uh, the flood. Um, 
the way I'm going to approach this is first the bad news, then the good news. Um, the gospel is the good news because of how very, very bad our state is without the gospel. Um, an example I like to use is the book of Romans. You know, in um, Romans, Paul presents Christ as an utterly sufficient Savior in every way. And you get the truth of Romans in your heart, and you'll be shouting, I knew Jesus was wonderful, but I just didn't know he could be that wonderful. But the book doesn't start out that way. The first three chapters are some of the darkest pages in the Bible. Um, so, um, But you see, it's the very blackness of those first three chapters that make it so glorious when he turns the corner in 321 and says... But now, apart from the law, there's a way we can be saved by faith. And so that's the approach we're going to take. Uh, Another example of this that popped into my mind was uh, I visited the Chicago Field Museum one time, and they have a hall of gems there. And it's quite dark in there, and all these gemstones, and some of them are huge, and they're set on like black cloth, black velvet, and there's a bright backlight shining through each gem, and my, how that brings out the beauty of them, uh, but it's the darkness that surrounds them that really sets out their beauty. So please, as we work our way through the darkness, before we get to the glorious light, be patient. I'm, that's the way Paul did it, so that's the way I'm going to do it. <laughs> so back to the big question, why the flood? Why the flood? Well, you've heard me say before, God has inspired his word in pictures. In the Old Testament, God gives us the truth in story form, in picture form. God uses real events and real people on a stage of life to act out and illustrate the message of redemption. That's basically God's method in the Old Testament. So if you would allow me the liberty... To role play to show you some of what I believe is God's heart and thoughts on this, I think I can get across what God had in mind with the flood. So God says, I want to teach my people using a real life example of what it means to live by faith. So I think I'll use this guy, Abraham. Yeah, Abraham, he is just a guy. And his life will show what faith is and what faith is not. And so God gives us Abraham as his great object lesson in the life of faith. So God says, hmm, I need a good illustration for the surrendered life. Isaac. Perfect illustration. I'm going to make Isaac my illustration of a surrendered Christian. Now I need another one. I need somebody who went from being self-sufficient to Christ-sufficient. Who's a good person for that? Hmm. Yes, Jacob. Jacob, what better man? So Jacob becomes God's great illustration of the one who finally comes to find his sufficiency in Christ. And then God said, one more thing. I wonder what it would look like. I'd like to show them 
what a mature Christian would look like, one who has the faith of Abraham, the surrender of Isaac, and the Christ sufficiency of Jacob. And who could that be? Joseph, perfect guy. So Joseph becomes a picture of the mature Christian as well as a picture of Christ, depending on which way you study that, but he's certainly both. Uh, We just covered all the foundational characters in the book of Genesis, by the way. But then God says, there's something else they must know, and it's a burden on my heart. I want them to know just how great the salvation is that I freely offer. And I want them to see that salvation completely free to them, but at an infinite cost uh, to God. And so God says, if they can understand what it costs, I think they might see how very precious it is and the infinite value and the infinite love that I place on every living being, every person I have created. I know I can talk in the New Testament about judgment and hell in a a doctrinal sort of way, but I need a life illustration to show just how huge the judgment on sin really is. And, more dear to my heart, just how huge the remedy for sin at the cross must be. So God says, words alone can't communicate this. I need an object lesson. I need a picture. But this truth is just too big to be illustrated by the life of one man or his family or a whole nation. No, I need a stage as big as the entire world. So I think I'll use just that, the entire earth. And for actors on this global stage, I think I'll use every man, woman, and child alive. And God says to picture my judgment on sin, I think I'll use a flood which covers the entire earth, 22 and a half feet higher than the highest mountain, so that except I provide a way of salvation, no one will survive. And so... God gives us, in Genesis, the flood. It's an ocean with no shores to picture a judgment with no end, an eternity in hell. The flood, the single most catastrophic event in human history, no war or natural disaster comes close. So it's an attention getter. God says, I hope when they read the flood account in the Bible, they'll get an inkling of the magnitude of sin and of the judgment which must be levied upon it. And maybe as they read about the flood, they'll see the futility, the utter futility of trying to save themselves. And maybe when they read this story and see that I was merciful and provided an ark as a way of salvation from the floodwaters. And maybe they'll meditate on this flood story and they'll begin to see the many ways in which the ark instructs them about Christ, the only way of salvation from God's judgment on sin. And maybe when they read the story, they'll see that it was the ark and not those safely inside it that took the brunt of the raging waves that dashed against it. 
And maybe they'll make the connection and see that the fury and the weight of that great flood is a picture to give them an idea of the judgment which God the Father poured out without reserve upon Christ on the cross. That's the main point. Only an illustration the size of a global flood could begin to communicate the magnitude of that. In Noah's day, God poured out the floodwaters of judgment upon the whole earth. Just so, God poured out the judgment of my sin and yours upon Jesus on the cross. But the death and the destruction of the flood only pictured that judgment. The reality that it pictured took place at the cross. Jesus, the God-man, had to be all God and all man at the same time, which he was. He had to be a man because only a man can die in the place of a man. Uh, If you want to study where that came from, look in Leviticus chapter 25. Um, But he had to be God in the flesh also because only an infinite God could bear the infinite judgment of the sin of all men of all time. Um, You see, God deals with man representatively. Now, that idea uh, is something I'm sure you're familiar with. You know, at election time, we go vote for someone who goes to Washington or to Lansing and represents us. They act as our representative. And when they pass good laws, we all benefit universally whether you voted for them or not. And when they pass bad laws, we all suffer universally, whether you voted for them or not. Uh, Our founding forefathers, when they wrote that into the Constitution, uh, that was great wisdom, but they didn't think it up. God did. Adam, acting as our representative, caused the fall of all mankind. Consequently, only a suitable Savior, Jesus Christ, acting as our representative, could bear the weight of the judgment of our sin, of my sin, yours. Um, I want to read Romans 5, 18 and 19 to that effect. i to move my smiley face over here. <laughs> Here's a smiley face. Here's the scripture. Um, Romans 5, 18 reads, So then, as through... One transgression, there resulted condemnation to all men. That was Adam's sin. Even so, through one act of righteousness, Jesus' work on the cross, there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, Adam, even so, through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. Christ, they were acting as our representative. Um, Our fall into sin in Adam was universal. By that I mean it affected all men of all time, from Adam to the last man, whomever that might be in time. Um, And it took place in a moment in time in the Garden of Eden. The flood in Noah's day pictured a universal judgment on sin, and it took place in a moment in time. 
And just so the real judgment that was being pictured, the real judgment on sin was also universal and took place in a moment in time at the cross. Um, does that mean that all men are saved? Uh, no, it doesn't. But the price for the sin of all men of all time was paid for at the cross. People do not go to hell because their sin wasn't paid for. Uh, people go to hell for one reason, for, for rejecting Christ, who was the payment for their sin. Uh, that's the first thing that God wanted us to see in this, this great object lesson in the, of the flood was what he had to do for us on the cross. Uh, but I don't want to go on record like Eeyore the donkey <laughs> presenting only the gloomy side of the cross. Uh, if you take one thing home with you from this discourse, please make it this. Uh, Romans 5.20, uh, Wes read that at the beginning. I want to read it again. Turn, if you would, and read with me. I'm just going to read the uh, second part of it. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Uh, I, I'm going to read that again. Let it sink in. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. If the judgment of our sin was pictured by an endless ocean covering the earth, then the grace that we have in Jesus would be an even deeper endless ocean, infinitely deeper. And you could set sail on that ocean of grace forever and not run out of ocean. That's the second thing that God wants you to see here. So what did God want to see come out of this event? Simply that you and I would see our desperate need for a Savior who would bear the judgment that we ourselves could not bear. And in seeing our need, that we would turn in faith and get aboard the only ark of safety that God has provided for us, Jesus Christ. I'm going to read Acts 4.12. This is worth memorizing. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus is the only ark of safety um, for sin. There's so many layers to this story, um, but if all that you see in this story is that Jesus is our refuge from the judgment of God, then you've got enough to rejoice your heart throughout all of eternity. So I think it was the magnitude of God's love and mercy uh, at the cross that God wanted us to see. And that was the reason behind the magnitude of the illustration of the flood. So I'd like to close by reading the lyrics of this hymn. I... That hymn came to mind, and as I was writing this, and I thought, that's got to be the song. It was written by Julia Johnston. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. 
yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilled. Sin and despair like the sea waves cold threaten the soul with infinite loss. Grace that is greater, yes, grace untold, points to the refuge, the mighty cross. Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace. It's freely bestowed on all who believe. You who are longing to see His face, will you this moment His grace receive? Amen. Thanks for listening to the Houghton Baptist Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we hope the message spoke to you. If you haven't been to our church, come and check us out. We're on Sharon Avenue in Houghton. You can take a look at our webpage, HoughtonBaptist.org, get more information about our location and some of the things going on in the church. Also, check out our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Lots of activity there. Houghton Baptist, the truth is spoken here. Come as you are. We do. Come and check us out every Sunday, 10 a.m. Be there. Thanks for stopping by, and have a great day.